You're listening to the Fantasy on Tap podcast. Y'all ready for this? A podcast where three dudes talk about fantasy football and beer. Here is your host, Nate McAllister. Hello, fantasy football community. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the F to the O to the T. I'm your host, Nate McAllister. And today, got my boy, James the Boogie Man Borges. Boogie, how you doing, brother? I am doing great, Nate. And we have the leader of the Guru Nation Instagram phenom, Spencer. Spencer, how you doing, brother? Doing great, Nate. How about you? Oh, man, I can't complain. It's just another day in this uh, COVID madness. I'm just trying to uh, survive, you know, and um, do something in between to just take my mind off of uh, this craziness. How are you guys living with this COVID stuff? Oh, yeah, man. It's been wild out there, especially where I'm, where I'm at in Lafayette, Louisiana. It's been, you know, a lot of lockdowns and just not much going on, but just trying to make the best of it here. Record <laughs> fantasy football podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can do, buddy. That's all you yes, can do. <laughs> so uh, we're very excited to have Spencer on and my boy Jimmy. And uh, today we're going to be talking about some really good stuff. And it will be the uh, 2020 draft recap and kind of like postmortem. Like what's going on with the people who just got absolutely obliterated, draft stock getting uh, blown up, and other people who are risers. It's uh, all over the board. This draft kind of hit me hard. Um, some places I was like extremely happy where the people went. And then other instances I'm just like devastated because I was really high on players. So uh, we're going to get all into that. But before we do, you know how we do on this show, we talk about them beers. And today I was uh, I was running home. I've been working a lot since this uh, COVID deal. So I didn't have a beer at home and uh, I hadn't really planned on it. And so I went to two stores because the first one only had like just your straight up Bud Light, Budweiser. And I wanted to get something a little bit different. So uh, I got, I found one. It's a Lagunitas beer. I've had Lagunitas quite a bit. Me and Jimmy have talked about Lagunitas on this show, but it's a something easy ale. Uh, I never had this one. Um, Lagunitas is a California brew. They're from Petaluma, California. Um, this is a little short, tall boy, generally like, uh, these kind of craft beers are, um, looks, the can is super cool. I really like it. It has like an old school. Um, I don't know what, kind of car that is on there some card nut is gonna blow me up for that it's orange though and then it has a really cool little blue top um just looks really summery and over here i don't know what the weather's like over there in lafayette but the weather is hot and nice and just beautiful and way too nice to be stuck inside so i'm gonna give this boy a crack Uh oh got some on the screen (laughs) smells great oh tastes delicious um, I've been drinking a lot of, uh, IPAs, so it tastes a little bit different because I just haven't drank a, just a straight up regular ale in a while, but it's really good. I don't know, Spencer, if you have drinking, uh, Lagunitas before, but, um, if you haven't, you should give these fellas a try because they're delicious. <laughs> yeah, I think I was actually thinking, man, we talking about IPAs and y'all, I know y'all review a lot of craft beer. I need to broaden my horizons with beer. <laughs> I love my beer. I drink brews like pretty much every Saturday night. So I need to broaden my horizons though, because I mean I love my Budweiser, my Miller Light, and all that. But I want to, you know, get try some different stuff. So that's gonna be uh, that'll be my next goal with, uh, this weekend to try and try some of the maybe the Lagunitas. <laughs> there you go, buddy. I mean, you fit kind of right in because um, we have a third host who's usually on. He couldn't be on, and uh, that's kind of where he's at. He's just like 
always bring in the, the, the Coors or the Coors Light or maybe like he, just the straight regular beer. So you fit right in right there. And then James, what you got, buddy? First of all, let me give a shout out to my neighbor. My neighbor hooked it up with an, a Heineken and a Heineken See? Light. See, here, that, that ain't nothing special, Spencer. See? <laughs> nothing, <laughs> no, nothing special to this. Um, I haven't made it out of my house. I've actually um, been enjoying this lockdown because I don't really enjoy being around a, a lot of people or going out and being around large crowds. So I went and knocked on his door randomly about 10 minutes before we jumped on here. Told him I needed a beer. He gave me a Heineken and Heineken Light. I'm going to take a little sip of it real quick. By the way, I'm not a very big Heineken fan. I don't know if you are, but I just think they taste super skunky to me. I'm not a huge Heineken so, fan. So that's where I was going to. When I was a, when I was a kid, I used to my dad loved to drink, and uh, I used to always love seeing the green bottle. I thought that was so cool, and I'd always ask him, "What does that taste like?" And he'd always tell me it tastes like horse piss. <laughs> and, uh, I actually, I actually pretty much agree with that. It is very sticky. Um, it has kind of a, a funny taste to it, but I, but I absolutely love Heineken. And when I have to drink a light beer, I'm usually drinking Heineken. So, hmm. cool, man. Spencer, did you bring anything to the party, or you're just bringing your uh, fantasy knowledge today? Oh, I, I wasn't really prepared to bring anything. So, as, I'll, next time I'll be sure to okay. bring something. But for this episode, it'll just be my fantasy knowledge. <laughs> okay, really, sounds really, good. Have you ever had that Abita beer? Oh yeah, I've had it. They, they make all kind of different flavors of it. It's like it's a local brew, so like they they make all kind of different varieties of it. I, the one I had was pretty good. Yeah, I've never had it. I have an Abita shirt because my uh, like I told you, my stepdad's from. They lived down there for a while, so I do have like a Abita shirt. I have to try one one day. Um, my favorite things in New Orleans, uh, I'll name them off right here. Is uh, first off, it has to be Mafalada. And uh, I mean, I'm talking about Louisiana. I'm sorry. And then uh, the second thing has to be the Zaps chips. I don't know if you like Zaps, but I'm a big yeah, Zaps they're, fan. They're really good. Zaps voodoo. That's my good. <laughs> that's mine. That's mine yeah, too. The voodoo. So dude, they're good. the best. They're so good. Yes. <laughs> All right. So now we're about to tap that fantasy keg. And we're going to start talking about this 2020 draft and how it sunk a lot of my dreams on a lot of my favorite players. What we're going to do, this is like we always do. We talk about half point PPR formats and we talk about basically redraft. I mean, you can mention a little bit about some uh, dynasty stuff, but we're basically talking about redraft because I think that's what the majority of fantasy people do. So again, half point PPR redraft. Here we go. Starting in the first round, we had Joe Burrow. Round one, pick one quarterback for the LSU Tigers drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals. Fellas, what do we think about this? First question I have is, is he now the true Tiger King? Oh uh, yeah, I would say so. He went from a, a Tiger to a Bengal. So he's, <laughs> there you go. yeah, he's, he's a staying a Tiger. Yeah. He's, I'd say he's the Tiger King right now. He's earned that right after his, uh, especially with that pick of him smoking the cigar after the national <laughs> title game. Yeah. He's, the certified Tiger King after that. Spencer, <laughs> quick quick question. Being from Louisiana, are you a huge LSU fan? Uh, actually, not as much, you know, because I don't go there. I go to UL, University of Louisiana in Lafayette, so uh, I'm more to support their team. I don't have nothing against LSU, but I'm a, for a diehard. I'm a diehard New Orleans Saints fan. That's who I'm a diehard of. There we there go. There you go. Uh, second thing I got for Mr. Burrow is uh, – where do we think? Well, you think he's going to step right in? He's going to be the quarterback one um, for that team day one? No, there's no doubt about that. If, if you're the first overall pick in the draft and you're a quarterback, uh, 
he's starting day one. They're looking for him to be the savior. They're looking for him to be the franchise quarterback. And I would be absolutely shocked unless he was injured or the season is shortened for some reason and he doesn't get enough practice reps and they don't want to throw him to the wolves and they just keep Andy Dalton going. Otherwise, if it's a regular season and he has enough practice time, he is the man. Agreed. I think so. Spence, do you think uh, he's quarterback one day one, or you think Andy Dalton might have a little left and they might let him sit behind him? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't think he'd have to sit behind Dalton. I think it'll be similar to Kyler Murray last year. I'm pretty sure they'll throw him to the Wolves day one and, and see what he can do. I mean, he was first overall pick, Joey Franchise, basically. You know, he's yeah. going to be their franchise QB. In a way, it's kind of like with when uh, – Kind of reminds me when LeBron got picked by the Cavs. You know, he's expected to be the savior of the franchise. Cincinnati's been in the gutter for a long time. So we're going to see if Joe Burrow can can pull him out. <laughs> yep, since my boy Kimo Von Olhoffen snapped uh, Carson Palmer's leg, they've been pretty bad. Uh, can, uh, next is can, can uh, Mr. Joe Burrow support this very good fantasy squad that he has around him? I mean, we got some potential studs. Um, all the way, even down to like John Ross, um, the new r- rookie wide receiver they drafted this year. They have AJ Green coming off, thirty-two year old, and uh, Joe Mixon. I, I mean, there's a ton of of and Tyler Boyd. I mean, there's a ton of studs here. Can he support that team and support them? I mean, as a fantasy squad, can he? Are we are we trusting in that? Yes, I would say so. I, I'm. I, he'll be able to support them because I mean. They still did. They they were weren't very good last year. I mean, it wasn't great. They were a terrible overall team last year. But for fantasy, like Boyd stayed afloat, Mixon stayed afloat. I mean, they I mean they weren't great, but they were at least decent. So I think this year now to have Burrow and hopefully somewhat improved O line, I feel like they will. Uh, yeah, he'll be able to support him definitely because he he's got enough raw talent even as a rookie to where he'll be able to make enough happen to uh, to keep defenses on their toes and, and yeah, make, make plays and keep his guys fantasy relevant. I a hundred percent support that sediment. Um, he broke almost every major college record last year. We're talking about the most prolific passer in college football history. Um, in the regular season, he threw for over 5,671 yards and 60 touchdowns. And the other big thing that uh, we're leaving out is uh, Jonah Williams. He's their left tackle. He was the 11th pick in the draft last year. He was injured all last year. You know that had to affect uh, Andy Dalton and the team big time. So getting your number one uh, left tackle back and having him start along with this guy right here, it's going to bode well for everybody on the team. Yeah, sure, man. I I really hope that's the case because I was really high on Tyler Boyd this year. Um, I like Joe Mixon at the right price, um, but they are adding, you know, a couple more pieces to this squad. So um, I hope that he can support that that fantasy relevance, just like you were saying that uh, Andy Dalton, you know, barely made them good enough. I hope Joe Burrow can take him to that next level. Last one for him. Is he inside or outside of the top 10 this year? Where does he finish? I believe he's outside the top 10, and, and that's for one reason. He's got he's to face the Steelers and the Ravens four times. Uh, bang, I mean, the Browns have a talented defense. Um, he's going to be going through some growing pains as a rookie. Um, I don't know. I don't see him finishing in the top 10, but uh, homeboy Kyle Murray down there at the Arizona Cardinals, uh, I mean, he finished in the top 10. So, I mean, things are possible. I just think he has a, a well, dang, I don't know. He faced a tough division. I don't know right now. I'm not sure. 
<laughs> so, but you, you talked yourself out of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now that I'm thinking out loud, I don't know. Spence, what do you think, dog? Oh, I'm going to have to say outside, y'all. I'm going to have to say outside the top 10. I just don't see it. I mean, uh, because of the fact that the offense, while it will be better, it's still not going to be very good. I don't feel like the O-line's still going to have some – some troubles and just, uh, I mean, the receiving core is looking pretty good, especially after the T Higgins edition. And uh, so it's, it's tough. I mean, to say like really, cause I mean, Burrow, hell, no one predicted it, the, the kind of season he would have last year. So I guess I wouldn't be shocked, but I, I would be very surprised if he cracked the top 10, just because I feel like the Bengals as a team have a long way to go. So I don't think he'll be able to, uh, to have the, uh, the touchdown volume and also the rushing. I mean, he runs some, but he doesn't run, as much as a guy like Kyler Murray. That's uh, true. That's the truth. Even Gardner Minshew, even Gardner Minshew, that's a great point. Yeah, they gave you a little bit of a rushing floor. Um, They allowed themselves to make mistakes and still be successful. So, no, I completely agree. I haven't probably finishing like a little bit outside of the top 15 for me probably. So, uh, moving on from one quarterback to another quarterback, Tua. Round one, pick five, quarterback Alabama drafted to – the Miami Dolphins, man, this dude. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not gonna say that I was like predicting this. I, I thought that they should make the pick, but I thought for some reason the Dolphins are gonna do something crazy and not make this pick. So I'm kind of happy that they do. Uh, same question for Tua though. Does he start day one? Uh, I'm gonna say no on this one. I don't think he starts day one. I think they're pretty comfortable with Fitz Magic for the short term. But as we all know. Ryan Fitzpatrick causes us a lot of headaches, and he knows his coaches would be fed up with him by around midseason because of all the bonehead interceptions. And so I'd say two will get his shot somewhere in the second half of the season, assuming he's healthy. But I definitely don't think he starts day one. He's got the injuries that he's coming back the hip. He's still coming rehabbing back from that. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't think he starts. No go. No go. No go. (laughs) Yep, I agree with you, Spence. And it it mostly has to do with the injury um, than his talent. I mean, he should have – without the injury, he would have been probably the first quarterback to come off the board. Um, But with that hip injury, why invest a quarterback with your fifth pick and then throw him out there uh, with a chance to get him hurt? Give him some time. let Let him rehab. Let him learn the system a little bit more. I mean, the Dolphins are a huge work in progress. They don't have the weapons like the Bengals do. Like like you just said, it's my same prediction. I think he starts the second half of the season. I'm probably on board with you guys too. I just don't think he's going to have enough time to learn the playbook and uh, get really uh, in, in depth in it. But let's say he did. Let's say he starts week one. Are we still in on... Uh, Parker, Gasecki, and company, or do we think Tua could even support them? Even if we, even if we say, let's just say that the second half of the season, will we feel comfortable still drafting these guys at their current values, with uh, knowing that he might come in in the second half? Oh, I would say yes. I, I, I would still draft them. You know, I mean, there's not a whole lot of weapons there in Miami, so I feel like especially Parker and Gasecki should be good to go with Tua because other than them, I don't really see myself drafting other Dolphins wideouts. It'd just be late dart throughs. But uh, Yeah, not in redraft, of course, for sure. Yeah. Right, exactly. They, I feel like Parker right now, I mean, things could change between now and draft day. But as of now, Parker is an amazing value in, in PPR mock drafts. I don't know why people seem to forget the kind of year he had last year. I mean, he had a 
huge breakout last year. And I don't think that was just a fluke. He's always had that kind of ceiling, and he finally reached it last year. So I feel like he's the real deal. And Gasicki's solid. He's young. He's on the rise. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm good with drafting both those guys, even with Tua. Because, I mean, Tua's good. I mean, he's talented. I don't think he's going to hurt him. So, yeah, I, I'm good with drafting him. I I am not, and, and there's two reasons I'm not. Number one, um, they just switched offensive coordinators because now now they're going to be second year, second offensive coordinator. And that offensive coordinator happens to be Chan Gailey. And Chan Gailey has hysterically historically been a run-first uh, type of offensive coordinator. Um, I think uh, they're going to try to protect Tua. They're going to try to run the ball. Um, and I don't know. I just have a bad feeling about Miami in general, their franchise. I'm a little bit superstitious, and and I don't want to touch any of their players. Not unless I could get them super late, um, but I'm not touching them anywhere early. I mean, not even fifth round. Well, I see. I think Gasecki, man. He, uh, I, I would be in on Gasecki still. I think he's he would be a great outlet if Tua Tua was playing. But um, I am not huge on Devonte Parker if Fitzmagic is not his quarterback. If he's his quarterback, I love it because Fitzmagic just loves to chuck the ball. But otherwise. Um, I'm going to probably try and avoid him at his current draft value. Um, but I mean, I've been proven wrong a lot of times. And then last thing for him, if he starts from day one, let's just say he does inside or outside the top 20. No, I would say outside. (laughs) I just don't see it. I mean, it's just, and he's his hip. He's probably not going to want to run that much. So yeah, I'd say outside. Yeah, I don't even have to answer that question. It's definitely outside. <laughs> yeah, outside. All right. And we'll get to the third quarterback taken, the one I am uh, least excited about probably on this one. Uh, Justin Herbert, round one, pick six, quarterback for Oregon, went to the L.A. Chargers, which is still ridiculously weird to say. Um, does he beat out Tyrod, or is this another situation like we predict with Tua that he's going to sit behind Tyrod all year? Uh, no, I definitely don't think he'll sit behind him all year, but I do think he will sit, have to sit behind him for a few weeks, kind of like Baker Mayfield did. He said, I think he, when Tyrod was the Browns, Baker sat behind him for like or two weeks. And yeah, I think the same thing will happen because with the Chargers, because Tyrod just, yeah, he just doesn't have enough upside. He's too limited in what he can do. So that's going to get that's gonna get frustrating, especially if the Chargers lose a bunch of close heartbreaking games, which they probably will. That's just their theme. That's just Charger football. I don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> they always seem to lose nail biters. So that by then, they'll probably just be like, well, Herbert's our future. Let's plug him in. I 100% agree with that. Um, I think it's really going to come down to how fast of a start they have. I think if they go like two and two and they're still in the race in the first four games, then they're going to continue to let them sit. But if they start one and three or one and two – I mean, their head coach is going to be on a short leash. He's going to want to get his guy in there quickly. So it just depends on how fast or how start they slow for me. But his his guy is Tyrod, though. So I think that's the even he'd be on even a shorter leash if his guy stops losing because he was talking about Tyrod this whole time. But then he went out and drafted him. So I drafted Herbert. So I don't know really where he stands with the quarterback position. I I wish Craig was on here, man. Craig hates Justin Herbert. Uh, <laughs> he hates Justin Herbert. He doesn't want nothing of him. He he was talking so much smack when we were live on Instagram for the draft. Oh yeah, he was. Um, okay, so then 
do we like those weapons? Because there are some legitimate weapons. I know some people are very high on Austin Eckler. Um, they got some tough wide receivers out there. Hunter Henry's a monster. Everyone's predicting him to have a great year. Do we like the weapons better if Herbert is the quarterback or if Tyrod? I like them better. I, I'd like to see what Herbert can do with them. Historically speaking, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember researching it for one of our first episodes this year. And I want to say the most yards he threw for were like 3,300 or 3,400 with 20 touchdowns, somewhere in that range. And that doesn't bode well for me. Unless unless those guys get really efficient um, scoring each game, I do not want those guys if Tyrod Tyro is their quarterback. For sure. Yeah, yeah I, I can – I can see that. I uh, I don't think Tyrod will start that long, though. And I think uh, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler would be okay with Tyrod. But until Herbert gets there, Mike Williams and, and Hunter Henry would probably start slow. But I think they could both reach their potential with Herbert with it, since he's got a big arm and likes to throw down the field. All right. That's right where I'm at with it, too. I think Herbert um, would just – like excel Mike Williams. Like I think Mike Williams will finally take that big step that everyone's expecting if Herbert was there, because we all saw the arm strength of Philip rivers the last couple of years. And he just wasn't able to do it for, uh, for Mike Williams. So, 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 so real quick, his best year was in 2015. He had a 63.7 completion percentage. He threw for 3,035 yards, 20 touchdowns and six interceptions. I'm not really excited about that. If it's, if Tyrod's the quarterback. Yeah, typical game manager. So, Herbert, does he finish inside, outside the top 20? Uh, definitely outside for him as well. He's going to have too many growing pains, I feel like. And the offense is pretty good, but it's not like an explosive offense or anything. So, I would say, yeah, definitely outside. I think he has the potential to finish inside the top 20. I don't see him finishing inside the top 15, though. I think he could get in within that 15 to 20 range. So what we're saying is the quarterbacks drafted this year are looking like streamers. Unless you're getting like Joe Burrow, maybe you can, uh, he could be like a bench type quarterback that you can plug in for like bye weeks or something like that, I guess, which would be a streamer. So uh, moving on to Henry Ruggs, the third round one pick 12 wide receiver, Alabama to the Las Vegas Raiders. Fellas is Henry Ruggs. Wide receiver one coming in? Like, is he just a already anointed wide receiver one without having to step on the field over there? Um, wide receiver one. That's a, yeah, I would say so, probably, because they just don't really have much other. I mean, they got Darren Waller. But if it's <laughs> just the receivers, yeah, Ruggs, I believe, will be their WR1 to start. Because they've got, like, all they've got really is, like, Tyra Williams, Hunter Renfrow, and Nelson Aguilar. None of those guys are WR1 material. So, yeah, I, I would say Ruggs is going to – he'll be their wide receiver one from jump. Uh, I think he'll be their wide receiver one, but he won't be wide receiver one fantasy material. Um, just all the guys that you mentioned. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, all, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't all, mean fantasy-wise, WR1. All, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he will, yeah, like I said, he will be wide, their wide receiver one, but I just think there's way too many little mouths to feed. They all had decent numbers last year. Um, I want to say Tyrell got close or barely went over Tyrell Williams. I'll fact check that here in a second, but uh, I don't really see him being that fantasy relevant, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm I'm right on the, uh, I guess that kind of leads into the second question that I had for him. Um, can Carr and Gruden support him as a wide receiver one? And uh, I don't think so, just because 
I think he's more of like an explosive type wide receiver. And I just don't think Carr's that type of quarterback. I don't think Gruden wants to run that type of offense. I think he wants to run a lot more through Josh Jacobs personally um, and go through the tight end and maybe like Hunter Renfro and then just use Ruggs as kind of that guy to, to blow the top off of it and um, keep defenses honest. So, um, no, I don't think he's I don't think he is the wide receiver one. And then moving into the kind of second question, I don't think uh, they can support him as a like a number one wide receiver either. <clears throat> Do you fellas think that he? Oh, well, you kind of already answered that. No, I don't think either of you think that he will finish as a as a wide receiver one. Um, and then the last question for him is: Is he inside or outside of the top twenty five? That would put him like in twelve man leagues, wide receiver two material, just outside of it. I think he's outside of it, uh, definitely. I, I don't think he's going to come in and make a big enough impact. Um, the only way that he could possibly do that is if he gets a lot of long touchdowns. His uh, touchdown to catch percentage. I can't read it off the top of my head, but I remember during the draft, it, it was something insane um, percentage of how many of his catches actually went to touchdowns and they were long touchdowns. Sure. Yeah. Um, I like, yeah, kind of like exactly what I was thinking there too. And inside or outside a uh, guru. I'm going to have to go with outside as well. I think he says, yeah, he's going to be too big play dependent. He's going to be too erratic and just, yeah, no, I don't trust that offense. They're a run-first offense there in Vegas, so yeah, outside. And, and, yep. and quick, just to back up what I said, I want to make sure I was saying some correctly. He only caught – Tyrell Williams only caught 651 yards and six touchdowns, so he wasn't even close to a G. Yeah, yeah, he got hurt a little bit, but still, yeah, not, not great. He started off hot, though. Yeah. Next guy on the list, Jerry Judy. Uh, this is a monster wide receiver. I was very excited to see where he goes. And then I saw him go to a team with Cortland Sutton already on it. He's round one, pick 15, Alabama wide receiver to the Broncos. Man, I am just, uh, I'm a little disappointed at his landing spot. If I'm just being honest, uh, I don't think, I think there was just a lot other, more other places where I just like really wanted to go. One could have even been the Raiders. I would have liked that there. Uh, but are there too many mouths to feed in Denver? Um, and what does this do to Sutton and Fant? What do we guys? What do we think about that, guys? Uh, this is this is that's a tough one, man. It really is because there's while they do have mouths to feed, it's not like there's a ton of mouths to feed. I think like other than Sutton and Fant, there's really not much else receiver wise. So I think Judy will be okay. I think he'll be able to have some some standalone value, and he's the kind of receiver. He's not super big play dependent. He's more of a complete receiver. So I'm gonna have to go with no. There are not too many mouths to feed, and and I feel like Sutton. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I feel like Sutton and Fan will, will be just fine as well. I feel like there'll be enough to go around for those guys. They both threw themselves last year down the stretch. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm feeling good about this Denver offense. I, there we go. I think me and Spencer like have a connection today. Oh no, <laughs> we've been thinking a lot. You know, of that's the same not a, that's not a good thing to have a connection with him, Spencer. I'm just saying that right now. It's <laughs> not a great thing. Uh, Jerry Judy is the most complete wide receiver to come out of this draft, the most pro ready. He, he runs the most amount of routes, the best. Um, he's not a small guy. He's actually six foot one, 193. He runs a four, four, five, 40. I think he's going to get himself open. He's going to have a lot of catches. I think he breaks the thousand yard mark. If there's going to be a wide receiver, I could go on board out of this draft. I would say that it's him. The only thing that scares me is that offensive line in Denver is absolutely garbage. 
And we got to hope that they can hold up long enough for him to be even be able to run around and get open. So, yeah, no, I, I, unfortunately, I disagree with the guy. I think he's going to have a very good wide receiver season for like a rookie. I just don't think he's going to, I think he's going to be like really hit or miss. Um, He's going to be a little bit tough early, uh, mostly because of that whole running back stable they have over there. Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton becoming that like kind of wide, that wide receiver one last year. So I'm not on board with Jerry Judy. And uh, I think there are too many mouths to feed to support him as a wide receiver one um, this year, or I mean, as a fantasy relevant wide receiver this year. Um, But with all these shiny new toys, how about Drew Locke? Is he step in and is Drew Locke now a quarterback one this year? Uh, as much as I like the Denver offense, much as I'm feeling their potential, I'm gonna have to say no to this one. I don't think Locke will, I don't think Locke will be able to make that big of a step because I mean he, he, I mean people said he like oh he won a lot of games with him, but I mean he honestly didn't play that well down the stretch last year. He was still he still seemed kind of raw out there. So no, definitely not QB one material in my book. Maybe QB two if things go right, but not QB one. I think if you are in a 12-man league and you miss out on your quarterbacks earlier, this is somebody maybe you could take a flyer on and pray to Jesus uh, that he is a quarterback one. Um, But I would not be feeling good about myself if he was my quarterback one. Yeah, I don't think I would be drafting him as my quarterback one. He would, I'm I'm right on board as well. I'd I'd stash him a little bit and just hope that uh, he takes a big leap with all these weapons and, uh, you know, just surprises me. And then lastly about Judy is uh, inside or outside the top 25, fellas. 25 is a pretty good benchmark for a rookie wide receiver. Yeah, I'm going to say barely outside. I don't think he'll quite get top 25. He'll be close, I think, but I'm going to have to go with outside. Yeah, I agree. Ooh, I don't know. I think he's going to be very close. I, I want to, I in my mind, imagine he has like an Amari Cooper – rookie type season he 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 breaks a thousand maybe something close to 1100 and he gets six to eight touchdowns i think he has a chance that's a monster year for him if he can if he can do that that's like a dk numbers this or last year right so dk kind of oh no no i'm not sorry not dk uh um aj yeah aj brown yeah that's more like aj brown numbers he had last year as a rookie so that'd be a very good season for him um, I don't see it happening myself, but hey, let's hope. I, I wish all the best for the young fella. <laughs> uh, moving on to C.D. Lamb. Round one, pick 17. Wide receiver Oklahoma went to my boy Jimmy's Dallas Cowboys. C.D. Lamb, it, it's kind of the same situation. I kind of feel like, are there too many mouths to feed? And uh, what does his pick do to Gallup and Cooper? Ooh, C.D. Lamb, man. During the draft, I see him dropping. I see him dropping, and I'm thinking to myself, if he makes it to 17, are the fucking Cowboys going to take him? And, <laughs> and and I was hoping somebody, you know, I wanted Javon Kinlaw. I wanted uh, C.J. Henderson, the cornerback, to fall to us. Obviously, that didn't happen. I knew they were going to pick him as soon as pick 17 was coming up. I mean, at least I was hoping he was just because of the talent he has. I, I think he's the most talented wide receiver overall. He has the biggest ceiling out of any of the wide receivers drafted. Um, he destroys all the mouths that are that it need to be fed. Amari Cooper's stock goes down. Michael Gallup's stock goes down. 
Blake Jarwin stock goes down. Dak Prescott stock goes up. The only saving grace I thought about this pick is our defense is still going to be absolutely hot garbage. And <laughs> we might have to be in a bunch of shootouts just to win games. And I think that could be the only saving grace for all of these players. Good take, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, it's a take. It's a take, Guru. What are you? What are you thinking about it? <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm thinking way too many miles to feed here. Like I was at Judy, I could do it, but CD, unfortunately for him, it's going to be way too many miles to feed in Dallas because Cooper and Gallup have both established themselves as thousand yard receivers. I mean, and those guys aren't just going to go away. So CD's going to have to pay his dues. Kind of like it reminds me of when they drafted Des Bryant, like. Well, it was back in like 2010 or something. It's been a minute now since Dez was drafted. But I remember that draft, and I remember his rookie year, he did not do very well. He paid his dues. He only had like 500 yards. So I CD might do a little better than that, but I definitely don't think he'll do – I don't think he'll have enough of a high-volume role to be fantasy relevant. I, I think CD has one thing going from him. Neither Gallup or Cooper are big red zone targets. We struggled in the red zone. Cowboys had the number one uh, ranked offense as far as yards per game went last year, but we're missing that big red zone target. And I think CD, if he could get enough touchdowns, he will be somewhat relevant. I, I mean, I can, I definitely buy into that point there. My only problem with that is I think CD's value is going to be so, or high enough where he'll kind of price me out of being able to draft him just on like a touchdown type monster. You know, that's not, that's not what I'd be targeting. Like that Mike Williams rookie year where he smashed in touchdowns. Like that's, I think that's just too sporadic and hit and miss that I couldn't, I couldn't throw him in as like even a flex for me personally. Nate, Uh, but I want to ask you really quick before we move on, you're not too much of a Dak Prescott believer. Does this make you feel better about Dak Prescott situation? Well, that's actually one of the questions that is, is coming up next. But oh, yeah, sorry. I mean, yeah, it's it's all right. It's all right. We'll skip ahead. It's fine. Um, see, I provide all this great material for my buddy Jimmy to review prior to the episode, get prepared for, <laughs> and he just does not even do it me any justice. No respect, buddy. Uh, no, but no, obviously, yeah, it, it makes me uh, like Dak more. But I mean, he he can only throw so much right like there is a ceiling it's just not like oh cd lamb adds another thousand yards to dak no it takes away from somebody else so um does it make me a little bit more of a believer in dak heck yeah i think dak is uh by or definitely inside like the top seven now but i mean there's a ceiling like you're only going to be able to throw so many yards and I just think he take. I think CD eats into the other people's uh into their draft capital I mean into their into their volume of course so uh, you guys, how do you guys feel about Dak? You're all in on Dak, or are we uh, you're still dipping your toes? I'm still dipping my toes because I feel like yeah, too many <laughs> other people are going to be all in on Dak. Oh, man, you're just hating on him because he's from Mississippi State. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't hating. I'm just saying I think people are going to – and it's just uh, – I say you're a Cowboys fan, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I tell you what, everyone, everyone – seems to just go rah-rah over the Cowboys because Jerry Jones is good at generating hype. And uh, I'm about to throw a little shade at you here. I mean, the Cowboys <laughs> with Jerry Jones, it's just all, it's like all talk, no action. It's all fluff. Y'all never come through. Maybe I'll prove it wrong this year with all the weapons and stuff. Maybe Dak will finally show he's that franchise QB. But until y'all actually do it, I'm going to have to <laughs> – 
My hey, I'm, I'm good with my hood ass, man. The Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not a believer. I'm not a big no, guy. <laughs> you're you're talking to you're talking to one of the most hardcore football fans. I am very skeptical of the Cowboys every single year. I never think they're ever <laughs> going to win anything. But with that being said, I am a believer in Dak Prescott. I was a believer in him last year. I took him as my quarterback in our fantasy, uh, uh, me and Nate's fantasy league last year, and he did me good. If I have a chance to snap him up again, I will snap him up. He still has one of the best offensive lines. He still has uh, Zeke, who caught 60-something, 70 balls last year out of the backfield. Um, he, he is going to eat. He's going to get his, and I think this weapon makes him even better. Yeah, no, I mean it's. I mean, every time you add a, a high-profile weapon like that, um, you have to be excited about it and the uh, quarterback who's going to be able to take advantage of it. So, out of these fantasy, I mean, out of these cowboy wide receivers, at their current kind of ADPs, I know we don't really know um, the new ADPs because of this mix of uh, wide receivers here. But which one would you think that you would be most in on? Who would come to you at the right price and you'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take this dude. Which one? Well, I'm going to have to go with Michael Gallup. I feel like Cooper, his price might drop some, but he's still going to be too high for me. I've never been an Amari Cooper fan. I just, I don't know. I just feel like people reach on him. He's too inconsistent on a weekly basis. And then CD, like we mentioned earlier about the touchdowns, people are going to be chasing the touchdowns, which is never a good strategy because touchdowns come and go. It's, they're very erratic to predict on a weekly basis so i'd have to go gallop i feel like he'll still have he'll still have value still be fantasy relevant the cd lamb definitely puts a, a ding in that he's definitely not gonna be like a consistent wr2 like i was thinking he could be but i still think gallop could be a decent flex even with cd there um my answer is whoever i can get the latest um uh, I, I want the guy I could get the latest in the draft just because of how it's going to get divvied up. I will say this about C.D. Lamb. I mean, I'm going to just read off his stats real quick. He had 62 receptions, 1,327 yards. The thing that jumped out at me was he had 21.4 yards per reception. So a lot of guys just think that he's like a Des Bryant clone, that he's one of those guys you throw the ball to and he rumbles. He does do that. He broke off a bunch of touchdowns. He had 14 touchdowns last year. If I could get him as one of my last picks or even Gallup as one of my last picks, then then I'm all about it. But I am not touching Amari. I'm with you. He's very inconsistent on a week-to-week basis. Has to be one of the other two guys later in the draft. Yep, right there. I think uh, Cooper is going to be – I don't think his dra- his value is going to drop enough to make him um, – to match what uh, CeeDee Lamb is taking away and then – um, I think CeeDee Lamb's going to be overdrafted personally. I think people are just get caught up in that new shiny toy. And then um, I think that what you're going to start seeing is being able to get some sort of value out of uh, Michael Gallup. So uh, Michael Gallup's my guy because I think he's going to fall the farthest in the drafts. And uh, you're going to be able to get him at a discount price and take a good flyer on Michael Gallup in a good offense. Well, um, so well, Nate, you know how I feel. I'm never high on any rookie wide receivers. I just think it's too much of a learning curve and – that's just personally how I feel. Sure. No, I can I can get on that, uh, especially in redraft. I mean, I can get on that thought process as well. So going to Jalen Rieger. Jalen Rieger, round one, pick 21, wide receiver, TCU to the Philadelphia Eagles. Finally got my guy, Carson Wentz, some reinforcements over there in Philly. Fellas, did 
Rieger find the best landing spot out of all these wide receivers? Oh, I would say definitely one of the best for sure. I uh, I, I like him uh, somewhat. However, there are some red flags because of the what type of receiver he is. He's he's a speed burner, deep threat, kind of like Henry Ruggs. And so I feel like he's, he's going to be prone to being inconsistent because of that. I have a feeling he'll end up overdrafted for fantasy purposes, but it is a it is a really good landing spot. Uh, and then Wentz has a big arm. He did really well last year with Deshaun Jackson when he was healthy. So, so yeah, I uh, it's hard to say if it's the best, but it's definitely one of the best for Rager. I do not like Rager at all. I was actually really surprised when they took Rager over Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson would have been my pick if I was the Eagles. Last year, he only caught 43 balls, 611 yards, and five touchdowns. Plus, on top of that, they still have Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, if he could stay healthy. And they took J.J. Arcega. Yeah, right. Come on now. (laughs) J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, in the second round. I think there's a lot of wide receivers in that core, um, and he's going to be battling those guys for catches. Um, Unless uh, last year – it's a repeat, and now Sean Jeffrey gets hurt. Deshaun Jackson definitely is going to be hurt. Um, yep. That's the only way he's going to get his opportunity, and I am just not that high on him. I think he I think he was the replacement for Deshaun Jackson personally. I think that's what they were trying to do. They know, like you mentioned, the, the big arm over there in Carson Wentz, and they needed to find a guy who could stretch the field because of the you saw the immediate impact Deshaun Jackson had on Carson Wentz and how successful he was. I think they were trying to re-spark that, uh, that fire and uh, bring a guy similar to him and get Rieger there. That kind of went right into my other question was, uh, could he be what they wanted out of Deshaun Jackson, you know, who is often injured? I disagree. I disagree with both of you guys. He, he ran a 4-4-7-40. It's not like he's blazing in the 4-3 or the low 4-4s. It's a 4-4-7. To me, that's kind of typical. That's what you need to run. Uh, in the NFL to be a decent wide receiver. I I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just being a hater, but I am not in on Jalen Rager at all. NFC East uh, hatred that you got. Screw the Eagles! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I feel like screw the Bucks, man. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting a lot of Buck hype down there. I bet the South is just getting pissed off about it. Oh, I am. Yeah, the Saints, we're going to punch them in the mouth. Yeah. (laughs) I think so, too. Speaking of the Bucks. So is he inside or outside? Oh, go ahead. Speaking of the Bucks, really, really quickly, Jordan, man, it is your time to get your boy back. Uh, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. What is the tight end's name that they just traded for? Oh, uh, Gronkowski. Gronkowski. Okay. <laughs> Gronk, Jordan, listen to me, dog. Gronk is back. You better take him with your first pick. We know you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting on the Gronk train personally. So inside or outside the top 20 for Rieger? Uh, outside for sure, outside, and uh, it's I would say it's just because again those kind of big play dependent receivers. I mean, every now and then you'll have a guy like AJ Brown that's that's the exception, but again, he's the exception, not the norm. So if I had to predict, I would say definitely outside, very much outside for Rieger. Yeah, I, you guys already know how I feel. I think he's going to be outside, but I think he's going to be just outside. I think you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised on what Rieger brings to the table. He's going to be like at 22, um, somewhere in there. That's kind of like my bold prediction for Rieger. I love his landing spot. I love Carson Wentz. Um, He gets to face that busted up Cowboy secondary two times a a year. I think he's going to be just fine. 
Uh, moving on, the guy uh, Jimmy wanted them to draft, Justin Jefferson, round one, pick 22 from uh, Guru's LSU Tigers. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not LSU. You're not an LSU boy. Uh, he went to the Miami, I mean, I'm sorry, Minnesota Vikings. Um, do we see this affecting Thielen at all, or is he just going to like fall into um, – Oh, cat who, oh, I just drew a blank on the dude's name. Oh, Stefan Diggs. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Is he just going to fall right into Stefan Diggs kind of role? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think he'll play the Diggs role and he'll do it well. I, uh, I, I can see it for sure. Cause Thielen, you have more of a high volume role, which I think he'll keep. Thielen will be just fine. I don't see this affecting Thielen at all. And I feel like, uh, I feel like it's good. It's good all the way around because with him there now, teams won't be able to double Thielen. So I'd say it's a good fit, really good fit for the Vikings. The only thing that scares me about this situation is one man, and that's Gary Kubiak still being around, highly uh, dependent on Dalvin Cook. The beginning doesn't of, Gary Kubiak doesn't he like to run the ball? Is that <laughs> that's yeah. where that's yeah. where I'm getting at, man, dude. The beginning of last year, it was absolutely horrible owning any any Viking wide receiver. I I had Adam Thielen. I don't personally think it's going to affect Adam Thielen, but if they choose to run the ball down their throat again, which I believe that they're going to do, um, it, it scares me. But but uh, Justin Jefferson, um, man, his uh, his stats in college were absolutely amazing. Um, he had uh, 111 catches last year, 1,540 yards, and he caught 18 touchdowns, man. That's the type of production that you want to draft, you idiot Eagles. Um, I think <laughs> I, I personally think this man's going to be a beast. He's six foot one and ran a four four three forty. He has the chance. Hold up, you said four four forty wasn't fast enough. Well, four four seven and four four three. <laughs> oh yeah, that way, yeah, 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 yeah. So. I don't know. I do think he has a chance to have a good rookie season, but it's all dependent on Gary Kubiak in that running offense. For sure. Yeah. No, I think I don't think he affects uh, Thielen at all either. I think he's going to be uh, just a fine addition, right? maybe remove some of that coverage off of Thielen, um, allow him to stay in the slot. I think it's going to be very good for uh, Thielen over there. And then who finishes higher, Diggs or uh, or Jefferson? Diggs in his new home over in Buffalo or uh, Jefferson? Uh, that's a good question, man. I would uh, I would still have to go Diggs, though, because I feel like he'll be Josh Allen's number one target. That's another run-first offense there in Buffalo, but I feel like Diggs will have enough of a role to still – I think Diggs will crack the top 25 for sure, be a good WR2, where Jefferson, I think, will, will finish like right outside. Of, he'll be, he could be a flex, but I don't think he'd be a trustworthy WR2 in his rookie season. I I 100% agree with you. I have way more trust in Diggs just just because we've already seen his potential and what he can produce from year to year, and we have no idea actually what Justin Jefferson is going to be doing in the NFL yet. Yeah, no, I, the only difference is I think uh, quarterback play, and I think, unfortunately, I think uh, Christian, I mean, not Christian Kirk, uh, uh, Kirk Cousins is a better, like more accurate passer. Um, than Josh Allen. So that could be the only difference there. I think Josh Allen is obviously the better fantasy play, uh, running the ball and, you know, the big arm and everything. But um, I don't think he'll be able to take advantage of Stefan Diggs' crisp route running and the things that he does really well, as well as uh, um, Cousins would. So um, I still think that Cousins, I mean, it, that uh, Diggs is going to outperform Jefferson, but 
Um, that would be my only kind of take off of that. Okay. Brandayuk. He was a uh, round one pick 25. This is really surprising to me. Arizona state wide receiver went to the 49ers fellas. The Shanahan and Jimmy G throw the ball enough to make Ayuk relevant this year, or is he just going to be uh, something that's you stash in the last pick or um, get him in dynasty leagues? Uh, I think he'll just have to be something you stash because of that offense being so run first. And they still have Kittle, Debo Samuel. They have guys there. So, yeah, I'm not really feeling Ayuk. I just I don't like that system. I don't, I'm not a big Jimmy G believer. I just, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch him unless he'd fall real, to the late, really late rounds in redraft. I am not on the Brandon Ayuk train. Um, they're, they're heavily dependent um, – uh, Kittle was third in Yak, and uh, Debo Samuel was 13th in Yak. They like the short little passing plays. I do not know how much of a beast this guy is. Um, I do not want anything to do with him. Only thing that kind of pisses me off is that he was that first round like draft capital. So I just hope that they don't feel like they're going to have to get him involved and then like take away some of those plays that are maybe designed more for Debo because I was really high on Debo this year. So no, I don't. Um, I don't think that they throw the ball enough either. Um, and then how does this affect Debo's value? Kind of moving right into that. I don't think it affects his value. Whatever. I still think he's the man there. He's a man beast. You know how I feel about him. Talked him. I talked a lot about him on this. Uh, podcast already i think he does absolutely nothing i think debo samuel is still their number one target yeah same i think he'll still be the number one and i think it could affect him slightly because I, I was thinking debo would for, be a for sure wr2 this year or now it's more like he's like fringe wr2 would feel a little more comfortable with him as a flex but i mean hey he's still he has a lot of upside i'm a debo believer so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let the iu thing prevent me from drafting Debo because we were kind of expecting the 49ers to draft a wide receiver anyway. Yeah. I just didn't know if they were going to draft it this early. Uh, moving on to the uh, craziest pick I feel of the first round. I mean, uh, yeah, of the first round, Jordan love round one pick 26 quarterback, Utah state to the green Bay Packers. Is he Rogers uh, heir apparent? Do you guys understand this pick at all? Can somebody explain it to me? Please tell me what was going on in uh, Packerland. Yeah, man, that was a bombshell. I, I tell you what, that really shocked the world. It sent like ripples through the league. I feel like, and especially to Rogers, and, and I feel like I feel like this about it. I feel like it was a a, a Matt Lafleur move. I think Matt Lafleur does not like Aaron Rodgers. Maybe I'm wrong, but from what I could see last year, those two did not get along. Like Lafleur wanted to run, 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 and Rodgers, you know, he still believes he's the bad man. I mean, he. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think he liked the way Lafleur did things last year. And they said there were a lot of reports last all season about him clashing, like they weren't agreeing on things. Like, like Lafleur wanted to change the playbook up a lot, and where I think McCarthy would kind of just go more with, along with Rodgers. He's probably more of a pushover, where Lafleur seems to be more like you know setting what he believes in. He's a young, innovative coach type thing, and. He's not going to let Rodgers boss him around. And so I think that was kind of a statement to like to Rodgers. Like, look, I, this is my yeah. – I'm in charge. And and so, yeah, I think he will end up being Rodgers' heir. I don't, I don't see Rodgers being there like for the rest of his career. I think it will be kind of like a Brett Favre thing where he finishes out his career elsewhere. It's really Dude. strange. 
Spencer, dude, me and you are on the same wavelength, bro. You said everything that I was going to say. I felt that there was a discord between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. I 100% believe that. Um, I think the only thing that kept Rodgers from speaking out and being more vocal is that they were winning. But obviously, this is Matt LaFleur's team. The first first player that they... uh, uh, wide receiver running back that they took, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, was A.J. Dillon. He didn't go out and get him a wide receiver or trade up and get him a T. Higgins or a Michael Pittman Jr. He sat exactly where he was. He took A.J. Dillon. He's sending the message, we're going to play defense. We're going to run the ball. And Aaron Rodgers, sorry, bro, you're just going to have to sit in your role. He is the heir apparent. I give Rodgers two more years, and then they're going to trade him. Two. That kind of moves into the next question. How many, uh, Guru, how many years until uh, Rodgers is no more uh, Green Bay Packer quarterback? Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly with Jimmy on this one. I'll say two more years. And Let's he, go, like, Spencer. He'll be, yeah. Get out of here. He'll be on Get his way out. out. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, I think it's probably uh, two years as well. I don't think they'll un- um, cut him loose next year just because, I mean, they want they want to kind of get – uh, love a little bit of love, but um, I mean, you get him in the first round, right? Do, then you get that extra fifth year option. So then you, if you keep him for two years, then you get the three years on top. So, I mean, that's still quite a bit of time to have a young quarterback on his rookie deal. So yeah, I think two years as well. Let's move on. Let's move on to uh, Spencer. I mean, I've been listening to a lot of your content on Instagram and watching it, watching you go live with some dudes and I just see you blow up. And I, I mean, I don't know you too well, but man, I could see your face blushing a little bit. Like you're just getting <laughs> like excited about this man. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, round one, pick 32. Man, running back LSU. I know you're not an LSU fan, but I'm sure you're a Clyde Edwards Hilaire fan. He went to probably the best landing spot he could, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, what does this situation do for Clyde Edwards? Clyde Edwards Hilaire, where is he? Where should he go on draft boards? Oh, uh, man. I tell you what, man, it is a match made in heaven. That's all. I, it's a match made in heaven. It's a perfect fit. When I was live, I was telling my people, man, I'm all in on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. <laughs> it was a perfect fit. You know, the situation worked out perfect. The Chiefs are the best offense to be in. You know, scoring wise, I mean, they they score at so many points every week with Mahomes and stuff. And and Edwards Hilaire is a perfect fit because he catches balls out the backfield as well. I think he'll slide into the uh, the Kareem Hunt role, or he'll be like that every Let's down. Let's go, spot. Spencer. So, uh, yeah, I think Damian Williams, you know, bye-bye. His dynasty owners, I'm sure, are pissed. But, I mean, they, he was never a workhorse to begin with. So, I feel like this is Clyde Edwards, Hilaire's backfield now. I'm all in. And I have him right now in the third round on my draft board. There you go. I have a – can I just mention one thing? I listened to a podcast – or the podcast that you were on um, – uh, uh, with the fantasy doctor or, um, and he, yeah, uh, docs, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, you were saying, um, yeah, Smitty made a good, uh, reference to Clyde Edwards Hilaire saying that he was like Mojo dude. I'm not kidding <laughs> you. I mean, I'm not going to take credit for this, but we were on, uh, Smitty was going live and he was talking up Clyde Edwards Hilaire and they're trying to like get this like perfect, uh, blend of who he was and i typed mojo on there and then like a couple he goes yeah yeah mojo and then he got went off of it but yeah. i'm not saying it was me but i'm saying it was me <laughs> Just, <laughs> uh jimmy what do you got what do you got on clyde edwards where should he go on draft boards um come draft day Ooh, before I, before i say that um i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback off of what he said dude if 
if we were playing Dungeons and Dragons and Andy Reid is your head coach, your running back obviously gets a plus three uh, right off the bat. He is a running back guru. He already mentioned Kareem Hunt came out of nowhere nowhere out of his rookie year. When Andy Reid takes a running back, you've got to take notice. Listen to this man's stats. Um, He had 215 rushing attempts for 1,414 yards, 16 touchdowns. He had 55 receptions for 453 yards and one touchdown. Damian Williams is obviously a stopgap. Andy Reid made him better than what he was. Darwin Thompson wasn't able to do anything. He had to sit behind Damian Williams, have no faith in him. If I have a chance to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'm with you. I'm taking him in the third or fourth round. This kid is going to blow up and have a Kareem Hunt type of rookie season. He is my number one rookie running back to draft this year. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that, fellas. I mean, he's going to have a monster type year. Uh, Already mentioned Andy Reid loves him some running backs, and he makes them stars. Um, Yeah, I'm all in there too. Uh, But where where does that make – Damon Williams fall like are we are we drafting him at all like does he have any value uh until draft day like where does he go where do we draft him uh, I'm not touching him you know I mean unless Edward Delaire would have a nightmare training camp or something like Ruju Ronald Jones did a couple of years ago but I don't see that I think Edward Delaire will fit in just fine so yeah I'm crossing Damien off my draft board unless it's like the super late rounds and I just need like a if a handcuff make me like a handcuff if I <laughs> already <laughs> already relegated to handcuff material bye bye Damien Williams <laughs> that's how I feel I'm all in with there Claude <laughs> oh there we go James are you having any Damien Williams shares or is he off your boards as well I'm not I wasn't gonna take it if they didn't draft this this kid Damien Williams was going to be a super late late round selection for me anyways. So, yeah, he's off of my board as well. I'm not touching Damien Williams. All right. Uh, and does Clyde Edwards-Hilaire finish inside the top 10? Yes, sir. I'm all yes, in. I'm going to say, hey, Clyde, I'm, I was a little timid with the receivers. I never wanted to put any of them in, like, the top 20 or top 25. <laughs> I don't really feel too good about rookie wideouts, but rookie running backs, yes, sir, top 10. Yes, I'm, I'm a believer. <laughs> um, if you're taking him in the third round or you're taking him in the fourth round, you're expecting him to, to finish somewhere around 10 or maybe just a little bit out of that. But, yes, I'm on board with you. I think he's higher than 10. I think he finishes 7 or 8. Wow. Monster year for him. I'm – a little bit outside of that. I think he's going to finish like the top 12 personally. I think uh, there's some other running backs who are, it's nothing against him. He's going to have a great year. I just think there's going to have some running backs. that are going to have better years. Moving on to this man though, Miles Sanders or Hilaire. Where are we going? Who would you rather have right now? I would rather Hilaire at this point. I mean, I like miles. I think miles could be solid, but he just, I don't know, last year, I mean, he did pretty good down the stretch, but he just didn't really show me that he was, like, workhorse material. And I I feel like he'll be, like, fringe RB1. I feel like he'll finish, like, around, like, 14, 15. Could maybe crack the top 12 if things go right, but I don't think he has as much upside as Hilaire. He might have, he might have a little more of a floor, but the ceiling, to me, is way higher for Hilaire, so I'd have to go with Hilaire. Ooh. This is a tough one. I don't know. To me, it's a flip of a coin. 
Um, I'm all about Miles Sanders. Um, I like the Eagles offensive line. They have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And I think that's what makes them so good. Uh, but, uh, I just think the price of Miles Sanders is going to be too high compared to Hilaire. So I would probably more be on the Hilaire side. I think Hilaire's draft price is going to just continue to rise. Like they're like already the guys who are excited about him. Those are like the, you know, more hardcore guys, maybe not even hardcore, but then it's just going to continue like the trickle down effect. And he's going to build so much hype that I think that they're going to be at similar draft values when it's all said and done. And we get to the, uh, um, real drafts personally, that's where I think it's going to happen, but I would be going Miles Sanders personally. I just like the fact that he's already one year in, he knows the offense. I kind of know what to expect out of him. I do agree that Hilaire probably has a higher ceiling, but I like the safety and floor of Miles Sanders at where I'm going to have to pick him. So, all right, that's the last guy that was in the first round, which was just a banger for day one. But now we're going into day two, uh, prospects and the first guy off the board was t higgins pick 33 wide receiver clemson to the Bengals. so uh, can he come overcome the rookie quarterback and the three veteran wide receivers in front of him and become fantasy relevant this year or is he just another stash type guy oh he's he's definitely just another stash type guy unless they trade aj green which i think is possible you know but Unless that happens, yeah. then yeah, he's a stash guy because there just won't be enough for him to go around. I think yeah. I think he legitimately has a chance to be the number two. Like what you said, it really hinges on AJ Green's health, which I have absolutely no faith in. Um what's the other big wide receiver that got hurt in the beginning of the year that was blown up? Uh John Ross. John Ross the yeah. boss. He's also injury prone. Um I think at best, he's the number two wide receiver beside, behind uh, Tyler Boyd. And let's not forget about Auden Tate. He had a decent season as well. I think there's way too many mouths to feed. I think they took him just as insurance. Even though I'm in love with this guy, I love his size. I love his stats that he produced last year. He is somebody that I can't take early. All right. And so what does this mean for uh, A.J. Green's future as a Bengal? Do, um, obviously, you kind of alluded that he might get traded. Do you think he plays a Bengal this year or not? And is uh, Tyler Boyd still the number one option over there? I don't know if he's the number one option. I just think he's the safest option out of all of those wide receivers. And with that being said, I'm still not that excited about him just because of all the all the, all the mouths they have to feed. Yeah, I kind of agree there. Does T. Higgins finish inside the top, I don't know, 30? Do we give him top 30? Can he? Top 30? and No, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, even with a, a green trade, like with a green trade, I think he could come close to top 30. I think Boyd will definitely be top 30. I feel like Boyd's value is pretty safe. But uh, T. Higgins, no, it's, I think he's still a little too raw of a prospect. I think he's going to have his growing pains like most rookie wideouts. So I'm going to have to say no. <laughs> James, obviously, no. Your your question or your answer is no. To, hail to the no. He says. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Michael Pittman Jr. Round two, pick thirty four, wide receiver, USC. He went to the Colts. This one was a little frustrating to me. I was really kind of liking that uh, Zach Pascal, Paris Campbell combo behind uh, T. Y. Hilton. I liked the situation for those young wideouts, and then they and then I liked Michael Pittman just coming into the draft, and then they all just kind of merged together to become 
nothing to me. So um, is if T, if T.Y. Hilton is wide receiver one, um, what's the pecking order behind him with those young uh, wide receivers I just named? Oh, yeah, that's tough, man. It's a mess right there. It's, that's, a, that's an ugly committee, it looks like, among receivers. That stinks. Uh, I don't know. And, I mean, Phillip Rivers, he's going to be kind of erratic probably. I'll probably have to see as their number two. Oh, man, Pascal did pretty well last year down the stretch. I guess I have to go Pascal. Probably Pascal and then Pittman and then Campbell. Like, Campbell could have some value out of the slot, but he didn't really show me all that much last year. And Rivers, like, he, he throws some short, but he, he still likes to sling it. So I'd probably feel a little better about Pittman and then Pascal. I don't know. I'll probably have to, I'm going to have to study this group some more. Maybe there's something <laughs> But from what I can tell, there's not too much over there that I like. I mean, Hilton should still be okay as their number one wideout. I notice he's slipping a ton in in redraft oh, yeah. drafts. He's actually become a good value at this point. Great value. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But as far as Campbell, Pascal, MPJ, I don't see myself drafting any of those guys. For me personally, I think Michael Pittman is once again going to be touchdown dependent. What I like about him is he's six foot four. We know Philip Rivers loves his his larger wide receivers. Um, and I am not going to bet a draft choice rookie on touchdown dependency. Once again, the highest he's going to get is maybe like a Mike Williams where he gets eight touchdowns his rookie season, and I'm not just too excited about that. Yeah, I kind of rank it out. Campbell, MPJ, and then we go to uh, Pascal. Um, But I thought he could be that kind of role, but I think Pittman Jr. just kind of murkies up the water for that. And so, yeah, the only wide receiver that I really – kind of get excited about is T.Y. Hilton in this bunch for sure. Um, and then will he, uh, obviously you guys already kind of said he won't be on your draft radar. So then we move on to some of the running backs that are being drafted. DeAndre Swift, round two, pick 35, running back Georgia. Um, he went to the Lions. He just really kind of, you know, screwed some more stuff up. Um, do you love or hate this landing spot? I actually love this landing spot. I feel like this is a good landing spot for DeAndre Swift because I was not a carry-on believer, not one bit. I was last year, but the boy he burned me last year, and after that, left a bitter taste in my mouth. I'm not a carry-on believer. He just he showed to me that he's too injury-prone and that he's not a workhorse. He'd be best suited as a third-down back, just somebody that you know comes off the bench and catches some balls here and there. And that's what I think he'll do now. I think Swift will be the big back. He'll be the, the workhorse. And then carry on. I'll have a few carries mixed in here and there as the backup. So I uh, actually love this spot. I think Swift's going to thrive there in Detroit. The offense is actually pretty underrated. I mean, they were doing really good things last year prior to Stafford's injury. So assuming Stafford's healthy, I think that Detroit offense will be better than people are, are thinking and that Swift will do really well. Oh, carry on Johnson. I have never liked him. I have never drafted him. I still would never draft him. I think DeAndre Swift is going to come in as the number one running back. Um, but uh, there's a curse in Detroit when it comes to running backs. Once Barry Sanders <laughs> retired, they have not been able to get a guy in there that is worthy. I don't like their offensive line. Uh, Matthew Stafford loves to sling the ball. I don't know, man. I'm on the fence about it. Um, this is probably going to be a guy I'm going to let somebody else draft and try their luck with him. Yeah, I think I'm right there as well. I think 
I'm not a carry on believer either. I, there was a little spark of it where I just kind of like the embers of carry on were starting to blaze. And then it kind of died out when he was just often injured. So I, I fell off the carry on train a while back, but he's going to be a pest there. I just don't think they give the reins to Swift right away. I don't even think they give it to him in year two, um, unless he just explodes onto the scene. So unfortunately I'm, I'm probably going to let somebody else draft Swift as well. I, I like the landing spot. If, carry on wasn't there but carry on's there he's a you know he's a he's a piece of that puzzle so um i i'm gonna stay away from this draft pick as well um and then is he could swift finish inside the top 15 do you guys think he takes that job and then just finishes inside the top 15 yeah i think so i really do i'm gonna have to kind of disagree with y'all on this one because i seem like y'all aren't really swift believers but i am i'm I'm a swift believer i'm gonna say he sneaks in that top 15 Wow. I do not think he does just because of carry on Johnson. I do not trust Matt Patricia coming from the uh, New England coaching tree. You never know which running back is going to go off and what week. And I know he's a beast, but if carry on wasn't there, I would be all in on him like Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I'd be drafting him pretty high, maybe fourth round. But uh, since he's there, like I said, I'm gonna let somebody else draft them and try their luck with them. No dice, yeah. I don't see. I don't think he takes that job wholeheartedly, and uh, so I, I don't think he'll be inside the top 15. Unfortunately, he's gonna have some great weeks here and there, but it's just gonna be too spread out for me. This guy though broke my heart, man. Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> round two, pick 41, running back, Wisconsin, went to the Colts. I was like huge on Marlon Mack not because I think he's like the most talented back but I think he's in a great situation he plays good football he's still on the younger side and I was like man Marlon Mack is getting and he's also just was super underrated a lot of people were not on Marlon Mack train and so I was like I'm gonna get Marlon Mack in a lot of drafts for a very good price and he's gonna do very well for me this year and then here comes Jonathan Taylor strolling on in round two gets picked up do we love or hate this landing spot I absolutely hate it, man. I hate it. I don't know why the Colts have to ruin this and draft him. It's like when the Broncos signed Melvin Gordon. It's like, why? Like, why? Really? Like, this is just a fantasy just disaster. I feel like I think this whole backfield is going to be a big fantasy disaster because you've still got Mack there, Naheem Hines. Now Taylor's there. I mean, this is just – this is going to be a mess. This reminds me of the Detroit backfield of Carrion's rookie year when it was – Carry on, Blunt, and Theo. <laughs> yeah. It's just gonna be a big cluster. It's just gonna be terrible. I, I hate it. I don't. I don't think Taylor's gonna be able to reach his potential in that in that ugly committee. I think John. Well, first of all, let's say this about Jonathan Taylor. He's one of the most pro- prolific running backs ever in college history. He broke over two hundred or two thousand and three yards last year. He had twenty one touchdowns. He's also not a bum. He could catch the ball. 26 catches, 252 yards, five touchdowns. The Colts have one of the most best dominating offensive lines. This is the ultimate boom or bust draft pick. If he can somehow take over that number one um, running back spot, I think he is a superstar in the making. And I do feel really bad for my boy, Nate. Because Nate has a lot of con, con uh, what's the word I'm looking for conviction, conviction when he comes to certain players. Last year, um, 
he was all in on what's his name? Aaron Jones. Aaron he Jones, was all maybe. in on Aaron Jones. Nate was banging the wall for Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. And this year, Marlon Mack was Nate's Aaron Jones. When I saw this selection happen, my heart broke for Nate because <laughs> I knew he was all about Marlon Mack. And you guys are right. Who knows what the hell is going to happen with this? But, man, I like Jonathan Taylor, man. He was my favorite running back coming out of this draft. I hope he gets the starting role. I hope someone takes a chance on him because I think he has a chance to absolutely dominate with that offensive line. Yeah. So then we're going to have to come um, and kind of like skip through some of the skill position. There are some skill position players, but I just don't think they're going to be super fantasy relevant. So um, especially in redraft, but there is a guy who went in round two, pick 52. It's running back from Florida state, went to the Los Angeles Rams. It is cam Akers. cam Akers, Do we love this landing spot? Do we hate this landing spot? Is this a bell cow situation or is this like kind of like a running back by committee with Henderson? Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, yeah, before we get to the I just want to say Jonathan Taylor outside of top 15. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, good call. Um, I think he is unfortunately going to fall outside the top 15 as well. James? If I can get him late, I am taking this, man. You're as, not getting him late. No, you're as, not getting him late. As a, as a super, super risky flip of the coin pick, I think if he starts, he's top 10. If he, if he, has, if he has to share, he's out of the top 20. Yeah, of course. If he starts, yeah, yeah, he's he's going to blow up, but I just don't think he will. I think it's going to be a Marlon Mack. I think Marlon Mack is going to give you the most the most value out of that backfield or maybe even Naeem Hines like way late if you could just pull Naeem Hines and he gets like an Austin Eckler role, but uh back yeah. to Acres. Yeah, back to Acres. Yeah, I didn't mean to, to throw it off track. No, you're all right. You're <laughs> all right. Make sure we so the people would know how we felt about Taylor's uh ranking, but uh, but anyway, yeah, Acres I think this will be more of a committee than a bell cow situation. I know a lot of people are pumping him up as a bell cow, which he could be. I need to watch his tape more because the little bit of tape I did see of him, I didn't really like. Like he didn't seem all that flashy or anything. Like he didn't. He didn't really seem. You know, he didn't seem all that powerful. You know, he just didn't really impress me on film. So to me, it's kind of setting up to be a committee. He'll probably be more the big back Henderson the receiving back and I'm just not a big believer in the Rams offense either I don't I don't think golf's very good I just I don't know I'm not a big fan of this situation but it is promising I mean there, there isn't much else there Henderson didn't show much last year and I think Akers will easily be able to leap Malcolm Brown so I believe it'll be uh unless there's something I'm not seeing with Akers maybe he's more talented and I'm giving him credit for but I think he'll probably go through some growing pains and it'll probably be more of a committee most of the season can I can I just say this? Fuck you, Sean McVay, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Darrell Henderson was my boy last year. I had him on my my radar. I liked him uh, coming coming out of Memphis, and when they selected Cam Akers, they absolutely screwed that whole situation up. I'm not taking <laughs> any one of those running backs just because I have absolutely no faith in him, and I have absolutely it's going to be a running back by committee. I thought Darrell Henderson had a, a serious chance of breaking out this year and being a sneaky good pick. But with that being said, that whole situation is screwed up for me now. Yeah, I was jumping on the Darrell Henderson train a little bit too because he was going at such a great value that you it wasn't much risk. You know, you're like, hey, maybe I get the best running back in a all right offense, or you know, maybe he's not. But now it's kind of just like, yeah, like you say, a flip of the coin. Um, who knows if they 
if they're just splitting the carries over there, who knows who gets the work down in the goal line. Um, it's really tough to predict that now. And I'm, I'm definitely, I think it's going to be probably a committee and I'm probably going to try and stay away unless I can get some Henderson shares like really late. I would, I would buy into that because I don't think you're getting Cam Akers shares very late. Um, and then if, is Cam Akers inside or outside the top 25 for running backs for you, Phyllis? And Guru is, I mean, his his streak for running backs, he's been, oh, besides Jonathan Taylor last one, but his other two prior to that, he said they're inside. So he loves them rookie running backs. Yeah, I do. I've always been a big proponent of rookie running backs, and I'm going to have to keep that streak going here. Yeah, inside for, for Akers. Yeah, top 25, yeah. Yeah, I think he'll sneak into that. Not top 15 or top 20, but top 25, yeah. Yeah, I think Cam will get he'll hit that benchmark. That's a good flex play, uh, late wide receiver two. Yeah, that's good. That's pretty bold. James? I'm going to say hail to the no, hail <laughs> to the no. <laughs> All right, so James is not a Cam Akers fan. Go to another running back, J.K. Dobbins, round two, pick 55, running back Ohio State, went to the Ravens. You got to love the team. You just, I don't know how much I love the situation. He, he kind of screwed up another, I mean, not, not that I was drafting a lot of Ingram anyway, but... I mean, it's just like a valuable running back went to a place where he's not going to be utilized. So um, what do we think about this? How does he affect Ingram? Um, and then can he get enough carries this year to be fantasy relevant? Uh, I I would say no. I, I think this will be Ingram's kind of like his last hurrah. I think this will be like his last season as a bell cow. And so Dobbins, yeah, I'm just not really excited about him as a rookie. I think it'd be a good handcuff. It actually, it it really hurts to me is Gus Edwards. Gus the bus. ah, that's mine right there. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was really feeling the Gus bus as a handcuff. I was thinking like if Ingram would go down or something, boom, the Gus bus will take over. And now that Dobbins is there, it's like, damn it, man! Now they I know. Screw you, Baltimore! Y'all just ruined the Gus bus. It looked like he was gonna. I was gonna be all in with him as a late round like steal i was stealing him in mock mm-hmm. us around like 14 15 but now with dobbins that that train is is uh if you could somehow all see all of my if you could see all of my like uh sleeper drafts that i've been doing with like the instagram accounts i always stash gus bust at the last one um everyone all of the other people are kind of all in on that uh the rookie running or the second year running back from last year I, i'm blanking on his name but i was justice thinking, hill. yeah justice hill because he's more dynamic and shifty but Gus Bus, he was he dude that was averaging like almost six yards a carry. Like he's yeah, a dude, monster. He fits into that offense, that power mm-hmm. running scheme that they run. Yep. That hurts Gus Bus a lot and it hurts my feelings. James, uh any Dobbins uh info? Are you in on Dobbins? You're out on Dobbins? Oh my god, dude. Freaking out of all of the drafts that I've seen as far as fantasy goes, this has been the most heartbreaking draft. Yeah. ever i've like i follow i watch the draft every single year i'm a hardcore football fan i watch all this jk dobbins man what the fuck i am over this man <laughs> it, all these picks have just screwed up almost every situation that you feel good about um you know you're feeling good good about ingram they're a run first offense i think they're going to try to keep the running backs fresh as the year goes on they're going to try to keep that identity pounding the rock and, and I'm just not excited about any of these running backs. I'm not excited about Ingram. I'm not excited about J.K. Dobbins. 
Nate, you you stole Nate's thunder. He's been on the Gus bus train yeah. forever. He keeps talking about Gus, Gus. Oh, man, I want Gus. <laughs> and that just screwed that whole situation up, hey, bro. Gus and Marlon Mack, man. Yeah, those That's are my you. dudes right there. Rip. <laughs> the, the, boy, the boy from freaking Louisiana is just, we're, we're on the same wavelength with all this stuff, man. <laughs> Must have been all those mafaladas. Uh, so yeah. here we go down. We go down to uh, Denzel Mims, round two, pick 59, wide receiver, Baylor. He went to the Jets. Uh, Sam Darnold, does he finally have a wide receiver one over there? Does he not have to depend on the likes of like Robbie Anderson um, to be his uh, fantasy-relevant wide receiver? Like, Is this the dude? Yes, sir. I'm all in with Mims, man. I love it. I love it. This is one I got yeah. Smitty credit for because he was all in on him like pre-draft. And I was like, well, I don't know what to see where he lands. But I actually really like this landing spot. This uh, this one didn't break my heart. This, to me, is a perfect fit because they don't really have much there. I mean, they signed Brashad Perriman, but he's he's more just like a situational deep threat type guy. He's not a dependable number one wide out. And then Jamison Crowder is just his, you know, the flex guy. I mean, the uh, slot guy, not going to do too much you know he's just kind of is what he is so Mims is gonna I think really gonna do well I think he'll step in and be that number one wide out before it's all said and done this season I I really like his ceiling and he's somebody I'm gonna I think I'm gonna be owning a lot of Mims shares this year he's he's arguably my favorite rookie wide out he'll you'll be able to get him at a way better value than like a Judy or a Lamb or a Rug. so I, I love Mims dude yeah. I dude what man I'm just going to say it again. We are on the same page. Glide <laughs> Edwards Hilaire is Denzel Mims is his version of the wide receiver for everything that you just said. He's been put in the best situation as a rookie to produce. Um, I'm still not crazy about the Jets, but as far as pure volume goes, he's going to be the number one guy. And it's not like this guy's a small little dude. He's six foot three. He ran a four three eight. I mean, I think he's going to get enough opportunities where he's going to produce with the Jets. Yeah, I am. Uh, I guess I'm jumping in on that train because I'm a Denzel Mims fan too. I hope. I was hoping that I was going to get a lot of shares, but the sounds of it were just three people here. They're all wanting lots of shares of Denzel Mims. I think his price is going to uh, gradually uh, increase until maybe I'm priced out of Mims, L- Mims shares. So I think personally, you're going to be sitting in the draft, and each round's going to go by, and you're going to be have him on your mind and someone's going to take him before you do because everyone's having the same thoughts. Yep. I think, yeah. And they just want to say, Hey, I want to add this guy to my, to my team for sure. No, I like it. Um, and then does he finish inside or outside the top 20? Ooh, the top 20. That, that'd be that's a bit stretch. Yeah, that is tough, man. I'm going to have to, as much as I like him, I'm going to have to keep up with my trend of not going on, like too far in with rookie wide. So I'm going to have to say slightly outside top 20. Fades a wide out again. Big surprise, Guru. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm big fading wide outs. Now. I don't believe I, I'm, it's very rare that I'm all in on a rookie wide out fa- finishing in the top 20. I, James? I, I agree. I do think uh, he's going to have the best opportunities, but there's too many good wide receivers that are going to be drafted in front of him. He is definitely outside the top 20. Okay, good. Uh, this guy we can talk briefly about. Um, oh, sorry. I had him just at the top. Like He's like 2021, like right in there. I think he's going to have a very good season. He's going to get a lot of production. Um, he's going to get a lot of volume. And I think he's going to score a lot of uh, touchdowns just because of that side speed uh, specimen that he is. So 
Um, this guy, talk quickly about him. AJ Dillon, why? Just like, why did they make that pick? AJ Dillon, round two, pick 62, running back Boston College for the Packers. Stout young man. Why did they make that pick? Uh, it's probably one of those things with uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, both in a contract year. And it might be a thing where Green Bay, Green Bay generally doesn't like to pay running back. So yeah, I have a feeling Aaron Jones might be out the door next year and you'll be seeing a heavy dose of A.J. Dillon. Jeez, 16 touchdowns and you're saying maybe he's going to be out the door. But I, I kind of am on that same page. I already aforementioned this. I think this was more or less sending a message to Aaron Rodgers more than anything. I don't Obviously, I don't think he starts over Aaron Jones. If he's lucky, he shares some of the carries that Jamal Williams would get as an afterthought. It was just a message to Aaron Jones. We're going to run the freaking ball, uh, but I don't want anything to do with A.J. Dillon. There's just too many yep. mouths to feed, and I and Aaron Jones is way more talented than him. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, he's the round three, pick 76, running back from Vanderbilt, went to the Bucks. We all... You know, like the running back in the Brady Arians kind of uh, system. But who's it going to be? Is it going to be Vaughn? Is it going to be um, Rojo? Or is it going to be someone else? I think it's going to be it's going to be a committee. I think it's going to be a thunder and lightning thing. Rojo is going to be the thunder. Vaughn's going to be the lightning. So I think it'll be fairly do fairly well. I mean, Brady. I mean, it's going to be a pretty high scoring offense. And I mean, like Michelle and White in New England type comparison. I don't know if Vaughn will catch quite as many balls as White, but I think he might do a little bit better as a runner. So I I, I kind of like him. You know, if you can get him late, you know, his depth, like an RB4 type thing. And then Rojo is like a flex RB3 type thing. But neither one are going to uh, be a stud just because, like, neither one are, for one, neither one are that talented. And also it's just – I think it's just going to be – it's going to be a backfield by committee. I don't see either one of those guys being a, a bell cow. Oh, man. Bruce Arians, he's also one of those guys that loves his running back. He gave David Johnson the best fantasy year that he ever had. Um, I do like his stats um, that he had last year, 1,685 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns. He, oh, sorry, I'm I'm reading the wrong guy. He broke a thousand twenty-eight, nine touchdowns. He got twenty-eight balls for two seventy. I was all over the Rojo hype train. I thought this was a year that he was going to break out, and then they have to go and draft Keyshawn Vaughn. I think that's more than anything an insurance policy, um, just in case uh, Ronald Jones doesn't uh, pick it up this year. Um, but I agree with you. I think it's going to be a running back committee until one of the go one of those guys break out. So it's a 50-50 chance of who's going to have more production. And I'm going to let somebody else take them. Yeah, I think that they're both going to come at a pretty decent value. You're going to be able to get both of them later in drafts and just take a flyer on them. And that's kind of what I would do. I per, I'd probably give the little bit of edge to uh, Rojo just because he's been there a year no, or two years, huh? Two years? Yeah. yeah. And he knows the, yeah. knows the offense. Yeah, and he knows the offense and he's going to – um, in this type of COVID situation, it, it means a lot. So I would probably go Rojo. All right. Zach Moss, last player on the board for us that we're going to talk about. Round three, pick 86, running back, Utah, went to the Bills and just really messed things up. And I mean, I, I was really thinking Singletary was going to have a great year, um, but 
do we think this screwed Singletary or you think this is like an insurance policy just in case Singletary doesn't work out? I think it's more just an insurance policy. I think he'll just, he'll be fine. He'll have the workhorse. Or it also just kind of be uh, sprinkled in from time to time. Probably more so in the second half because Moss has injury concerns of his own. He had a huge workload at Utah, and uh, and I believe he had, was coming into this season with an injury. I'm not exactly sure what, but I think there's some sort of health concerns there. So I think they're going to take it easy with Moss. He's a big back, so I think him, I think he could be a future in their backfield. But for this season, I don't like him in redraft. I think they're just going to like take easy men, sprinkle him in type thing. And I think they believe in Singletary. They used him a lot down the stretch last year, and he showed well. So I, I think this will be Singletary's backfield for the foreseeable future. I disagree. And the reason I disagree is because they kept running old-ass Frank Gore, stealing <laughs> Singletary's yeah. uh, carry opportunities. Um, and I like Zach Moss. I mean – the thing I like about Zach Moss that kind of jumped out to me was he was third in the FBS last year in broken tackles. I want to say he had 55 or 56. So the dude has ability. I think they're going to run the ball down people's throats and they're going to want to keep a single Terry fresh. And I think they're going to expel him a lot, give Zach Moss some opportunities as well. I think it absolutely screwed him. I was really high on Singletary. I thought he, he sneakily could add a top 10 finish, uh, finish in, um, fantasy running backs but uh but now with Zach Moss being there I don't know what to believe so are you touching either of these two in in drafts and uh, I mean a guru it already sounds like you are on the single cherry train so I guess it's more directed toward James would you uh, draft either of the two um if so which one would you be targeting at their current values Ooh, at their current values I'm probably gonna I don't want either one of them I don't think I'm gonna target either one of them I like running backs that are the workhorse running backs, the Zeeks of the world, the CMCs of the world. Um, and I don't know. I just don't. I'm, I'm scared of the situation because Singletary was obviously the better back last year. And they still, they still kept giving Gore the ball. And it was highly frustrating. So I don't know. I don't think I'm on either one of those guys. Guru, you got anything to add to that? You take. Yeah, um, you know, I say, well, the thing is, in today's NFL, I mean, I, I obviously love Zeke and CMC guys, like and it's just to me not enough of those guys that go around, unfortunately. So once you get past the first round, you kind of have to start targeting guys in committees to fill out the rest of your roster. And I feel like Singletary is still in a pretty favorable spot. I feel like he's, I mean, he's pretty complete back. He can run like power run catch a little bit i mean he's he showed he could do it all last season so i think he'll be just fine i mean moss i think in the second half could kind of be a pest i mean i uh i'm not like all in on singletary but i definitely think he'll still be relevant i think he'll actually come at a good price now because the singletary hype train was getting a little much like he was starting to get picked up in like the third early third like whoa man people are really pushing him up and now that they drafted moss I think he'll fall back to like round four or five. And at that price, I can see myself taking him. Yeah, if he falls to that price, I can be on board. If he keeps his current price, there's no way. I just see the running backs around him and the running backs I can get in like the fourth or fifth. And I'm like, no, I'll, I'll stay away. I'd, I'd much rather um, get a, a one of those guys that are falling to the fourth and fifth. Like I, I like, I mean, I may get a little uh, shit for this, but I mean like James Conner, you can get him running, rolling back that way. And 
I'm not going to pay the third round price tag for a Singletary when I think that they possibly could have very similar type seasons. So um, the Zach Moss, like you said, he could push down his value and make him interesting. My biggest thing with Zach Moss is I hope that they don't kind of give him that Frank Gore role. And because Singletary was getting a lo- uh, enough volume last year, he just wasn't getting any red zone carries. So um, if Zach Moss takes that like red zone carries, then I could be a little bit concerned. Um, but that's kind of all we got, fellas. I mean, Guru, uh, thanks for coming on the show. We really enjoyed this. I hope you want to come in on a another time. Uh, throw your plug out there. Th- tell them who you are. Yeah, definitely. I really appreciate y'all having me. It was a great time and definitely have to do it again sometime. Next time I'll have to bring me a cold brew, <laughs> review it. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm glad to be working with y'all on the show. And for those of y'all that want to keep up with me on social media, my Instagram is at fantasy guru. That's fantasy underscore underscore guru. We're 6k strong guru nation. So make sure to, to hop on, hop on board there and join Guru Nation on IG. And we've got some other things in the works as well. We're uh, we're on Twitter. Haven't gotten too much on Twitter, but we do have a Twitter presence at Spencer the Guru. Going to be utilizing that more as the all season progresses. And then YouTube, going to have a YouTube channel that's going to be relaunched this year. We did a few podcasts in 2018. Uh, on YouTube, Spencer the Guru as well for that. And this year we're going to rebrand the podcast to be called the Guru Nation Podcast. And that's going to nice. be coming in most likely in May of this year. So y'all coming stay- up quick. Spencer, yeah, can, up can quick. I have one request? If you come back on the show, can you please bring on a hurricane, drink a hurricane on the podcast, <laughs> or can you go to one of those drive drive through spots and get yourself uh, one of those slushies? Because uh, drive drive through daiquiri, dra- yeah, drive through daiquiri. We, we need the rest <laughs> of the world to understand how big drinking is in Louisiana, and I think you're the <laughs> man that can uh, can do that. Oh yeah, it's big. It's big, man. It's big down here. It's helping us get through quarantine. So. <laughs> Bring something on next show. I'm excited. And, and also, I know you guys can't see uh, Spencer, but Guy has a great head of hair on his head. Great head of hair. I love it. I love it. He, <laughs> he'd put he'd put Troy Palomalu uh, some uh, some competition in those commercials for sure. Hey, well, guys, thanks for hopping on with us again. You can follow us on uh, social media at Fantasy on Tap or on Instagram at Tap underscore Fantasy. You can hit us um, on any of the Uh, podcasting platforms um all the major ones all the spotify apple Podcasts, all that shit um so thanks again and uh have a good one take it away jake